You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hi, lovelies. Welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. I'm your host, Danica. And I'm Riley. Today, we are sitting down with Mia Miranda, a showgirl for seven years, OnlyFans content creator for two years, singer with a first single available on Spotify, and a full album in the works. She's also a dog mom to an adorable little white bear and a West Coast girl at heart. This episode, we discuss stripping versus OnlyFans, tips on how to be successful online, showgirl culture, sobriety in the club, navigating self-love and positive body image in an industry based on looks, dating as a sex worker, and coming out to family and friends. Mia Miranda, thank you so much for joining us. Do we want Mia Miranda or just Mia or just Miranda? Honestly, you can call me whatever. When I introduce myself at work, I say Miranda, but then right. on stage, they're like, Mia Miranda. So I guess Miranda is kind of like the name I've had for a long time. Okay, Miranda it is. Okay, <laughs> so how did you first get into the industry, and what avenues have you all worked in? Um, I feel like my story is so unlike normal stories, because I was uh, I had no contacts in the sex work industry whatsoever. I was literally working as a customer service representative for a tech company. So I was, like, working online remotely in my little tiny apartment. I was, like, full-on in my granola girl fantasy. And then (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, remember when I... Because I'm from Toronto originally. And so growing up there, I just always had, like, a energy to me where I was like, I could be a stripper. Like, when I would go to the clubs and I'd be dancing and people would be standing there watching me and filming me. And I'm like, okay, I should be getting paid for this. But Toronto, it's so different, right? You're, like... It's just different. I like knew someone. Vibe, yeah. Yeah. And she just said, don't get into it. Like, it's not really safe. So I just kind of forgot about that. Went down like a business avenue, went to college. And so anyways, I'm sitting in my little apartment. It's starting to get really hot. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember stripping. Like, let me. And I literally I Googled that it. Thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I literally just Googled it. I was like, how to be a stripper in Vancouver. And that was it. And then the agency popped up and I was like, oh, okay. And I started reading all of the... Um, like rules that they have for uh, booking like a uh, what are they called like the the um, uh, like for parties and stuff like that okay, right yeah, so like yeah. you can have security there's no contact all this kind of stuff I was like I can do this like okay so I literally filled up the application and like sent it in and I remember just before I sent it out I was like what am I thinking like this is crazy like who am I like no no way and I'm like well I'll just send it and then I did and then the agency got in contact with me and I did my first amateur contest at the Alder. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like so excited too. And I was just like getting there. Oh God, the thing I was wearing, I was wearing like a little like crocheted bikini top and these like, um, like sweatpant material, like short shorts. Like I had to buy a razor. I had to buy makeup. Like I had nothing. You were really living the granola girl life. Oh, I had armpit hair and full butt. Like I was full on. Yeah. Like no, I didn't own a razor for years. So I was like, yeah, okay. We can, we can buy this. And I, uh, yeah, bought, like, it was just so stupid, like a little thong from Ocenza, whatever. <laughs> but I loved it. Like, as soon mm-hmm. as I was on stage, as soon as that crowd was there, I've always been into, like, performing and dancing and theater and acting and all that kind of stuff. So I was just like, and I was always into, like, sex. So I'm like, hey, guys, like, how's it going? Just, like, full on, like, <laughs> and I won the contest and it was super fun. And then that was when Ryan was around and he's like, if, if you get costumes, like, I'll book you. And I was like, okay, sweet. Like, so I maxed out my credit card on costumes, and the Smithers was the first booking that I did. Smithers! <laughs> Smithers, and then Prince wow. Rupert. There's yeah. a whole story. My car got impounded. I got dropped off in a cop car on my way there because I was oh, speeding yeah. to get there. 
So it was like oh a crazy thing. And I met a guy there that I ended up dating for three years. I stole him from Smithers. He had yeah. a restaurant there for 20 years and he just like left it for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a very like chaotic, interesting beginning. Yeah. But like I just fell in love. I was like, this is it. Like this is what I'm going to do. And yeah, I just started getting more costumes, more bookings. I ended up working every bar within the next two months or so. And I just haven't, that was seven years ago now, so. <laughs> Do you remember what your songs were for Amateur Night? Oh, I don't even think we were able to pick them. I think in the Alder, they just, like, maybe, uh, I remember Nine Inch Nails, that, like, Fuck You Like an Animal song, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was one of them. Closer, and then Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, yeah, that song. <laughs> and then probably some kind of, like, flume EDM remix kind yeah. of stupid thing. Like, I, oh, I couldn't remember. But I do have my playlist from, like, way, way back in the beginning, and I listen to those songs sometimes, and I'm just like, oh, God, so cringe, like, Katy Perry, Coldplay, like, no, 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 no. Pony, do you know what Yeah, 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 absolutely. The classics. Yeah, it was a good time. And then uh, during COVID was when I started to, actually, I was dating a guy who was like, if you get an OnlyFans, we're, we're done. And I was like, oh, okay. And then him and I broke up, and then I went full on into oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, this is actually really fun. And so then I've been doing that for about two years now. Um, but yeah, mostly just just stage and OnlyFans, and yeah, it, that's pretty much it. So. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, talking about stage and OnlyFans, mm-hmm. um, what do you think are the main differences between doing like in-person versus online work? What would you think are the pros and cons and which do you prefer? Uh, ooh, okay. I mean like I'm a performer at heart. So like I love being on stage. Like I just love the audience and the crowd and all that kind of stuff, but it's exhausting, right? Like you're doing, you know, 10, 20, 30 shows a week and you're physically drained and you're around a lot of energy. You're taking on a lot of energy physically and like having to process that um but the money's like consistent right it's like you know you're gonna go into work you're gonna make money that day it's it's gonna be fine um when on OnlyFans you're just like in your bedroom you're just hanging out like if someone sends you something weird you just put your phone away like it's so easy to kind of distance yourself from it but the hustle is a lot harder, right? Because mm-hmm. the competition is is way vaster. You're competing with the entire world versus, like, one small venue. Um, so there's, like, pros and cons to both. I, like, in an ideal world, I would love to be able to have OnlyFans be so consistent that I would just do that and I could, like, pick and choose when I'm on stage kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, that would be great. But right now, stage definitely brings in way more of an income. Um, and OnlyFans, I'm just still, like... Because, okay, so I have a brain injury, so for me, being on screens is really difficult, like, Mm. for a long period of time, and so I've kind of outsourced a lot of my, like, posting and sending and all that kind of stuff, so I just make the content, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not, uh, I don't have a management team, like, I am the manager, and I tell, like, my staff what to do, Mm. Um, and that takes a huge load off of me, so I'm able to be not burnt out, essentially, Mm because otherwise, yeah, without that, I was, like what am I going to do? Like, I can't, it it was so much energy, right? So much more. Like to post consistently and to DM consistently and reply all the, like I I replied all of my people, like that's me talking to them. But those like sending out of stuff like that, like someone else does Just the the scheduled posting and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Which has taken such a huge like weight off of my chest. And then sometimes I just go into my phone. I'm like, cool. I've made a hundred bucks. Yeah. Like yesterday or whatever, something like that. And 
So, yeah, I'm slowly building it up because it's a different hustle because you're not performing, you're making porn and content mm-hmm. and stuff like that, right? Which is just, like, a whole other ball game. So it's been interesting because there's, like, the element of creativity where you constantly have to think of new ideas and then you're collaborating with people, so there's all that, like, scheduling and um, logistics and stuff like that. And then filming, like, lighting and cameras and outfits and positions and uh, sound and thinking about that. Like, when I first moved into my apartment, the bed was super squeaky. And so everything we filmed was like... (laughs) I'm like, okay, this is not... This is not going to happen, so we fix that. Um, but it's like all these little things that you wouldn't necessarily think of, and you're you're an entrepreneur, right? You're it's just you. Like there's no one, there's no club manager, anything like that. So there's like that is it's like a bonus and a minus at the same time, right? You don't have to. You're the one like um, having to kind of hustle yourself. No one's kind of asking you to do it. So when you want to have a day off, it's there's no problem. But then sometimes you're the one who has to also bring yourself out to, like, do that thing, right? Yeah. To motivate your own self. Otherwise, like, when you're on stage, you're like, I gotta be on my showtime, otherwise I'm screwed. So yeah. there's there's that, which there's can be like nice. less accountability, which is, like, a blessing and a curse. Exactly, yeah. right? Because sometimes if I have to, like, right now I'm, like, VIPing, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't have I don't have to be there, but I, I need to go make money. Yeah. So, like, I have, to, I have to be there. But no one's, like, waiting for me, essentially. Yeah. And that can be a little bit difficult. It's kind of similar to OnlyFans. It's like, no one's... No one needs this, but yeah. I, I do. Oh, they so. need it. <laughs> they do. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you've seen my butthole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, as you just said, online work is a lot of fucking work. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any tips for people to be successful online? Like, how to get that motivation? How to get yeah, the clients? Definitely. So, I would say the thing I just briefly mentioned is a big thing is like, and this is just a, an, a general entrepreneurial thing, is, like, stay in your zone of genius, right? If there are, like, smaller tasks that you can outsource to other people, um, like someone to do your posting for you, someone to edit your content for you, like, whatever those small things are, stay in your zone of, zone of genius. Like, if I loved editing and I loved scheduling, I would be doing that, but I don't. I love creating the concepts and I love creating the content and being an actress and all that kind of stuff, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on that. I mean, that would be the most, that would that's the thing you probably couldn't outsource at all, but luckily, like, that's where I thrive. Right. So I stick to that. Um, well, sorry, when you're saying outsource, do you have a specific website you would recommend like Fiverr or anything like that like if, um, if you'll want to outsource as well I would say it would the people I know are from word of mouth so okay. I would ask other dancers or other OnlyFans content creators like who do you use right. and that's someone that I use she I found through someone else that nice. um, does OnlyFans and she's very successful at it and she's just like oh yeah like connect me to this also there if you for someone who is getting into it uh, there's like telegram groups that I've been added into from people who are already in them and already doing OnlyFans. So yeah, if anyone wants to go into the telegram groups, let me know. But you can find people through that. Um, and there's girls that like work in Thailand and stuff like that. Like someone was doing some um, like share for shares for me for a little while. I didn't find it to be that lucrative, but there's groups where they're specifically like meant to be um, finding OnlyFans uh, like staffing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would. Depending on who you, like, kind of work ethic you are, uh, I would maybe, like, shy away from management companies because I find they can be a little bit predatory in a sense mm, yeah. where they're taking so much of your con- uh, so much of your percentage of your income 
And then you don't necessarily have as much control over what you're putting out there, how you're portraying yourself. Like, I like my position as the manager, and I have my staff. And I tell them what to do, and they kind of they stay yeah. in their lane, right? Um, and if you whether, whether you pay them a percentage or a fixed rate, like, that is just dependent on what they're doing for you, essentially. Um, that would be one thing I would say for burnout. So that's how to avoid burnout is, like, don't try to do everything yourself. Because it is a lot. And the more you're investing in it, the more money you're going to start to make back as well Mm -hmm. I noticed when I started doing that like my income almost doubled so I was Mm -hmm. like okay this is definitely worth it um and then the other thing would be to collaborate with people because that was when I really started to like share my networks with other people uh it gives you a better like there's more creativity in it it's just new stuff for your customers or clients and things like that um yeah, just like starting to reach out to your community because it can be so isolating, right? You're mm-hmm. just at home on your by yourself all the time, and it's like, I don't really know what I'm doing right now. But then it's like, oh, I know that girl in my city or my area. She does OnlyFans. Like, let me film a video with her, and then you guys are able to collaborate. Even in that day of collaboration, talking about it, sharing tips and advice, mm-hmm. and what works for you, what works for me, and you'll like pick up little things that they've learned along the way, and uh, yeah, stuff like that, and then. If those things aren't available, I would just say, like, as much as you can, like, batch your content and schedule things ahead so you're not every day on that um, scheduling thing because that can be really draining, like, all the time trying to think, like, what is my captions going to be? What is this going to be? Like, using that queuing, uh, uh, not software, but that... Uh, like queuing options. Yeah, queuing yeah. things up, like, that would yeah. be the best thing. So when you're saying yeah. batching things, saying, like, put a day aside where you're going to make a shit ton of content. Exactly. Changing your outfits, hair, making it look like it's different days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then going aside, putting all, implementing them all, or putting them all into mm-hmm. your OnlyFans and queuing them up so they periodically release. Exactly. Right, so it yeah. just kind of takes off, you can kind of take a day off and know still content's going out. Yeah, yeah, and I know some people, they'll do, like, a month of content in a day or two, and then they have their month, and they work two days, and it's like, yeah. okay, I wish I could do that much work in a day. I'm more, like, maybe a week or two yeah. at a time, because yeah. um, it is very exhausting, so right, tiring. to make all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that definitely has helped me a lot, is just to, like, sit down, I've done my makeup, like, I'm going to film for a couple hours, and, yeah. The one thing I haven't tried yet is camming. Um, so I'm curious to like get into that and see how that is going to go. I tried it one time, but my Wi-Fi was shit. And so I'm just nervous. To, like, <laughs> You're like, yeah, literally, like, <laughs> yeah. I can't <laughs> see or hear anything. Um, and I'm like typing. I was like, can you guys, what's going on? Yeah. And they're like, none, none of the messages have been coming through. Oh no. Yeah. So that yeah. was interesting. Um, but that would be something if I like did a day of content, I would like cam in the evening or something. Like yeah. That. So you're just like batching it all. Yeah. Um, the thing, the, the cool thing about camming is it was kind of like the first online thing. Like it was back yeah. in the eighties it was coming out, right? Yeah. Um, I actually know someone who worked like the, one of the original cam sites, um, back in the day in the Vancouver where there was like the, a studio the girls would go to and they cool. would like shoot the cam work there and it would go on to like live streams. So bizarre. <laughs> um, but, uh. The nice thing about that is there's so many years where people have perfected it where, like, you go to one of my girlfriends is, like, one of the top on Chatterbait, mm-hmm. and you go to her house and she has her own camera room set up with, like, yeah. a huge, like, huge, like, uh, a TV screen where she watches herself. She That's has, so like, her, cool. like, portable things. She has, like, all the lighting. Like, it's so cool, like, oh, how yeah. much people have, like, established themselves in the cam world. Yeah. So that's the nice thing coming into the cam world now 
they have you can go on Amazon find cam girl you everything. know everything yeah. like you just yeah. have it all, all accessible the tips to you and now tricks and oh yeah that's the goal to have a dedicated room oh, for friendly. filming and content like oh I can't yeah. wait yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. you mean like this exactly <laughs> just like this yeah that would be so cool but in your house too so yeah. that I don't have to I hate commuting that's my thing about working is I hate having to commute mm. anywhere mm. I'm just like I just want to be there so at home I'm like oh, I'm already there like oh, I'm yeah. doing yeah. which I found too was like a negative for me because I felt like it was hard for me like to turn it off like oh, that I yeah. always felt guilty if I wasn't working like I need to be on my phone I need to be like checking my messages I need to yeah. like, oh, I could be camming right now like I ha- I found that like that differentiation was hard for me um, yeah. so I think if I had a specific room where like when I'm not in that room I don't exactly. think about it yeah. it would be nice Definitely. but in Vancouver there's not a lot of like five bedroom houses available in my little one bedroom yeah, yeah. view yeah. but you know very small but. <laughs> no exactly yeah. um, so as you mentioned, you've been in person and online. Mm-hmm. Um, how do the two compare in the sense of like the showgirl showgirl culture? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like speech <laughs> versus your OnlyFans culture. Yeah, I would say showgirl culture is this kind of like um, it's this fantasy that you're like going and you're being entertained and you're having all your friends come and you're going out for like a show, like it's an event, it's a spectacle essentially, and then. So there, there's also, like, a disconnect between me and the person sitting in my front row. Even though we're, like, very, like, close in proximity, there's that disconnect of, like, I don't know you, you don't know me, um, I'm here to put on a show for you, you're going to yeah. throw money, but we're never going to, like, sit down and get to know each other. Yeah, like, maybe like if you're... audience. Exactly. Right. There's, like, a that parasocial relationship, but then when you're... And OnlyFans, you're actually building these, like, deeper connections with people. You're kind of getting to know them a little bit better. Um, you're learning more about their, like, desires and their fantasies. Like, things that they maybe wouldn't feel comfortable saying in person. Mm-hmm. But because they're behind that computer screen, they can, they feel like they can say whatever they want, right? Yeah. And, and so you get to know people a little bit more intimately, I would say. Um, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of interesting people out there, for sure. Um, and I mean, that does a little bit different, like, when you think about showgirl culture and then when you're, like, selling dances, like, that is probably when you'll get to know people a little bit more, too, in person. Um, but I think that's, like, a little bit of a different culture, in a sense. Like, showgirl is, like, costumes and music and, like, pull tricks and performance and all that kind of stuff, which is, like, what I, like, idolize and, and dream about all the time. And so that, for sure, is this, like, interesting disconnect. But then you get to be whoever you want to be, right? You get to put on this new persona. You get to create um, shows with with props and gimmicks and all these different things, and you get to just put on, like, a new persona and step into this world and, and just put on a show. Like, it's such an interesting thing for someone who hasn't ever done stage before to, like, see that disconnect. Because, like, I'll think about, uh, like, at the Five or something like that, you walk onto stage. People are seeing you before you get on stage, right? So you're standing there, Maybe a few minutes early, I'll be like chatting to people. I'll be like, no, 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 yeah, how's it going? Do-do-do. You get on stage, like, boom, hello, yeah. I'm me and Miranda. <laughs> how's it going? Like, it's just this instant shift, right? It's so hard to describe, but that doesn't happen on OnlyFans. You're just mm-hmm. kind of like still that regular girl next door. And that's what they want. They want for you to feel relatable. Like, you're just that neighbor who like sent them some dirty video and they're yeah. like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Like, Stuff like that. So it's a totally different, like, persona that you're putting on. Like, I'm still Mia Miranda on every platform, but... You're just tapping into different yeah, parts of you. Different, yeah, exactly. I just had this, like, visual of you talking to someone at the bar, and then your first <laughs> stage song, like, starts, and you're like... <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Bitch. I've definitely done that before, for sure. I have my music queued up. I'm like, oh, I'm five minutes early. Let me, yeah. like, wander around. I'm like, oh, hey, yeah. guys, I'm ready to go. Shove. Shove. Yeah, elbows in the elbows. face. Yeah. Um, kind of with the same sort of culture, how do you think it changes with, like, um, co-workers? So we've talked about um, sort of stage girl culture or in-person culture being somewhat friendly with an edge of competitiveness mm-hmm. because you are all sort of like in quotes fighting for the same pot of money. Yeah. Um but I also feel like OnlyFans can sort of be a little bit competitive too even though you're you're like the as you said like the market is way vaster. Yeah, definitely um, way more saturated. Yeah. What do you think uh the differences culturally between like like friendliness within the community. Yeah, I would say that there's competitiveness regardless, and I would say that comes a little bit more from like this being like a woman-dominated industry and the patriarchy like pits women against each other mm-hmm. so that we have like less control in our lives cuz together we are so powerful and like we would totally take over the world. But as we're separated like that's kind of how we're existing right now, and I would say that OnlyFans there seems to be a little bit more of that like competitiveness in a sense. Um, sometimes, yeah, I'm like, okay, like, let's collaborate or something like that. And I feel like most people have been pretty, like, open and down for that. But I think there's also that level of, like, well, we're going to have to do something really intimate with each other to, like, do this. And it's like, are we ready to, like, go that far? You know, like, it can be a little bit uncomfortable in a sense where you're really having to get to know people because we're not really in, like, a studio setting. Like, we're not in L.A. shooting porn where everyone is, like, has an agent and all this kind of stuff. It's not as, like, it's a little bit more just, like, calling your friend up, like, hey, want to come and, like, dry out together? <laughs> like, I don't know, it's a, it can be, like, a little bit more awkward, because, like, we're not, that's not really, like, the thing, that's not my bread and butter, right? But then with showgirl culture, there's a little bit of that competitiveness. I think that can go away with people just being a bit conscious about how they're presenting themselves. Like, mm-hmm. if I had a great show and I'm coming up there and I'm throwing my money everywhere, like, <laughs> that's a little bit rude, right? But, uh, but then there's also that sense of community, where you have a really shitty client or something, you come back to the change room and you're like, oh my god, this guy, blah, blah, blah. And you can just share it and you can kind of get it off your chest. With OnlyFans, you don't really have that as much because mm-hmm. you're just kind of on your own. You have some someone send you something weird and you're like, okay, I'm not really going to like message someone out of the, a friend out of the blue about this because it's like, it just doesn't feel like the right atmosphere. So I do love that when um, I show girls, like we're in person. We get to just be like... Uh, that sense of community because you're literally right in front of each other and it's just we're, we have emotions and we just express them as they come up so I do appreciate that for sure and I think it's just about etiquette when you're in the strip club because yeah. for the most part when you have the right etiquette that sense of competitiveness starts to kind of dissipate um, especially as you make friends with people and stuff like that and it's like and especially as you make friends with people who are like very different kind of looks to you essentially uh, then it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, she's got her regular, I've got mine, like, there's no competition, we're all making a bag on stage, so, yeah, that can be a little bit nicer in person sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely having that, like, decompression chat in the room. Yeah, I love, like, sometimes the change room is like therapy, honestly. It can just feel like, oh my god, even something that has nothing to do with stripping at all, where you're just like, oh my god, my boyfriend, or oh my god, my friend, or my parent, or my whatever, and everyone's just like, yeah, that really sucks, you know? I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, do you have any tips for people that are in the strip club, dancers in the strip clubs, mm-hmm. on on sale tactics or how to, like, 
better their hustle or um, increase their profits? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would consider myself quite a hustler in the clubs. Like, when I'm at work, I'm at work. I'm not just there to hang out and have a party. And I would say that would be the main, like, mental switch to make because you're in a party atmosphere. You're around people who are drinking and having a lot of fun, but you're at work. And I remember coming into the um, industry with that mentality because I, like, I have a business diploma. Like, I came from Toronto. Like, I am a hustler. My parents are entrepreneurs. Like, that's just in my blood. And I was like, I'm here to make money. Like, what are you guys doing hanging out with these guys who aren't even tipping you? Like, what the hell? That's insane. (laughs) So it's like, even if there's some, like, hot young guys, they're all hanging out, it's like, you're at work. You're going to go make money off of the old guy because he's the one making, you know, giving you money. So that would be, like, the first, like, mental switch, I would say. But then in terms of, like, actual conversations and stuff like that. So I would say the thing that really trips people up is feeling um, uncomfortable to approach people. Because when I'm at work, I will talk to every single person that comes into that bar. And the reason why I'm able to do that... So it comes from a few years ago, I kind of, like, had this mental switch. Because I would feel, like, awkward. You're down there. You're in a little G-string. You're like, oh, my God, who am I? Like, who's these people going to give me money? And then because the five is, like, they have long shifts, I would stay there. And I would live upstairs in their, like, um, dancer rooms for the week. And I got really comfortable doing that, right? So it would almost feel like this is my house and the bar is my living room and Mm -hmm. I am the host and you are all my guests and I'm going to be a gracious host and greet all of my guests. I'm not just someone who is like coming here to take all your money. Like even if I don't sell a dance to everybody, I will still have introduced myself to everybody and just be like, hi, I'm Miranda. How's it going? How's your night going? What are you guys up to tonight? Mm -hmm. Just getting a feel for what everyone's doing. So I would say like approaching people not even with the intention of, I mean, obviously in the back of your head you wanted to sell a dance, but I'm always just like, who's here? Who's in my house? Who's in my living room? Who is coming to see me today? Like, what do they want? What are their intentions? Oh, you want to buy a dance? That's great. You don't? Cool. Have a great night. You know, like, there's no pressure when you kind of feel like you're in your own domain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that does come a time, obviously, when you're starting in a new place, you don't necessarily feel super comfortable with that. Um, but just like in your downtime too, like chatting with the other people, with the staff, stuff like that, where you're just starting to find a sense of like calmness and, um, you're able to just feel like at ease essentially when you can relax and feel at ease and just know that whatever happens happens. You're also then energetically attracting more energy to you, right? Cause someone who's like really like nervous and entered and like oh, I don't know what I'm doing that's gonna just be pushing away people so I would say yeah definitely just like having that sense of ease and just approaching everybody you can everybody you possibly like could even if that guy doesn't really seem like he's gonna buy a dance you never know he might be just like super sad and you go and then he buys 10 right so yeah. it's like you never know just like approaching them um and the more you do it the more you'll be comfortable with someone kind of saying no but I phrase the questions that when I ask someone so it's not a direct no to me I'm not going to go up to someone and be like hey how's it going do you want to go for a dance with me because then they could say no and then that can feel really hard I would usually say are you going for any dances tonight that's kind of my go-to line because that opens up the conversation of like what are you guys here for tonight? Are you going to be spending money? Maybe it's not on me, but at least I can get that ball rolling of like, I mean, that's not the first question I'll ask unless it's really busy and I'm like really tired. (laughs) It's like, hey, how's it going? What are you here for tonight? Are you guys celebrating anything? Who are you here with? Um, You know, where were you before? Where are you going later? Like just getting a vibe for where they 
are at in their night. And usually with those couple of questions, you can kind of get a sense of what whether they're going to spend money on you or not. And then if like, yeah, I'm totally going for a dance. It's like, that's amazing. Like, have you been here before? Do you know what they're all about? Like, do you know how much they cost? That kind of thing. And through those conversations, they're getting a sense of your personality because really they're buying a dance to spend more time with you and chat with you. So you want to try to just be like easygoing, like, oh, you want one? You don't want one? Like, I don't care. It, it is what it is. And I find that sense of ease has paid all my bills for the last seven years, <laughs> honestly. Because if I have that stress, even if your rent is due the next day, like they, that's not their mm. problem. You know, they don't need to know that kind of thing. You just still need to have that ease. And that is how you're like energetically attracting things towards you. And I do kind of like a, um, like a manifestation before every shift where I'm like, a visualization, I would say, where I'm literally visualizing people coming into the club, people giving me money, um, people throwing money on stage, and I'm visualizing like them um, around the area and bringing them in, and and then I have to also send gratitude energy after that as well. So it's like I'm bringing them in, and then I'm grateful for the the spirits that that sent them to me essentially and yeah it's, it's <laughs> it sounds really silly but I remember one time I was in the change room before the bar even had opened this was at JJ's and I like had a little like spell and I said it out loud to set to just tell the girls what it was and then two seconds later the bartender knocked he's like oh some guy wants a dance is anybody ready and I was like uh I'm ready like it was just crazy and the bar had like just opened that second so it's really crazy how like your visualizations and your energy is um it's everything it really is yeah I don't think that sounds crazy I mean we had a guest on like a couple weeks ago Ginger mm -hmm. and she like her whole thing was about um manifestation and like um affirmation and stuff and how it like helped yeah her as well yeah definitely but the thing with manifestation that people and I, I um I'm not sure what she had said but it's like it's the intention and then following up with action as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like sitting there like, people are coming to me. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, people are here. Let's go talk to them. Yeah. Right? And yeah, so th those two are super important. Yeah, you yeah. made a comment there saying how um, the biggest like, tip for making money is going and treating it like work mm -hmm. um I think like the opposite of that is a lot of girls will go in and it's a party yeah and they're drinking and they're having fun which is cool like if you can do that and make money great mm -hmm. but I think I think we can both attest that we've seen a lot a big rise in sobriety yeah at the clubs which is awesome I mean I was sober mostly for six years mm -hmm. um how long have you been sober for mm -hmm. and um can you tell us a bit about that experience you know why did you make that decision? How have you seen an impact with that towards work or in your personal life even? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in Toronto, which has like a huge party scene. And when I moved to Vancouver, I was just like, I'm done with this. Like I just need to put this behind me. It wasn't serving me. I have a whole new slate of a life in front of me. I, you know, all the people I drank with, I've left them behind. So let's just like start life here as sober. Um, and that was really great. I did that for six years. And I was working the entire time through that. There was, like, two instances. Like, on my 21st birthday, I went to Vegas. And I was like, all right, this is going to be great. <laughs> so that was, like, that one. And one time when I went to Mexico. But other than that, like, I was never at work, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think that just really helped me have that mentality of, like, I am here to work. I am here to, like, I can put on that smile and be fun and have a good time with people. Um, and when I stopped drinking, I told myself, because, you know, when you drink, you're, like, that fun no inhibitions, that kind of thing. I was like, I want to be drunk Miranda sober. I want to be her all the time. I want to just, like, get rid of those inhibitions, you know, do some therapy so I can, like, figure out why I am the way I am and why I have all these, like, weird quirks and stuff like that. 
And then through that, I was able to just, like, find a confidence, especially, like, doing stage as well. You find that confidence. You're like, wow, I have so much power. Like, look at the reactions of these people around me. Um, And that uh, confidence kind of just leads into hustling, essentially, Mm -hmm. where you're like, I'm just going to bring that stage energy, like, tone it down a little bit, um, try to have a little bit more of a personality. And, uh, yeah, so that was kind of how I navigated sobriety. Um, after like at the end of COVID, my landlord sold my apartment and I broke up with my partner and like all these weird things were happening. So I was like, I think I'm going to start drinking tequila for a little bit. <laughs> and it was a great little moment. Like I had, I think I just needed that in my life to just like fall off the wagon for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just kind of ran its course. I did that for like a few months my income was honestly kind of the same. Like, I think it was even less because I wasn't really paying attention as much Mm -hmm. as I was working. I didn't have the wits with me to, like, be kind of consistent. And, you know, people that are buying me drinks, I'm going to just hang out with them. Oh, they're not tipping me? Whatever, at least I'm having a good time, right? I wasn't really as, like, conscious of what I was doing. So it was not super healthy. And then, yeah, I just kind of figured... It just ran its course, essentially. I met someone who was sober again, and I was like, you know what? Because I was exhausted all the time. Like, I would sleep for days when I wasn't working, and I was like, this is insane. Like, what is wrong with me? I'm like, oh, yeah, alcohol, okay. (laughs) Um, It just really doesn't work with my body as well. I find I'm so much healthier. I can wake up in the morning and have, like, no hangovers, obviously, but even when you haven't drank the night before, you're still just tired Mm -hmm. in general, right? It dehydrates you. It's like your body's trying to process so much more toxins and such so yeah I stopped drinking this almost actually a year I think it was May 22nd so I kind of kept didn't even keep track but I guess it'll be a year in a month so it's been 11 months since I restarted my sobriety and my income just went right back up essentially so yeah that's awesome well, it will have been a year. Oh, May 24th, this will come out, so it will be... Oh! You'll just have a year. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Congratulations you. in the One future. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Don't fall off. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was not. That was not. You don't want to talk about it. That's awesome. Um, no, I agree. I When I first started dancing years ago, many, many years ago, um, I was very young and very dumb and then drank a lot and... Um, and then when I stopped drinking, I realized my hustle was so on point. I was a, first of all, I felt safer because mm-hmm. I was aware of what was going on around me. I was aware of like what men I should look out for, what girls I should look out for. Um, I was on top of like how much money was coming in if they tried to rip me off mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I think that's what like increased my hustle so much was just being very like hyper aware of everything and like yeah. in my own element. And then also, yeah, not being hung over the next day, be able to get up and actually achieve things exactly. throughout my day. Yeah. Um, and then the, the few times I've drank since, um, there's never... I have yet to wake up that day after drinking and been like, I'm so glad I did all that drunk. Like, exactly. I was like, like, I got to yeah. sober that day. Or like, and I, I never really drink at work or I never to excess. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. But especially like if you're like at a club where you don't know people, like I have to be in a very safe place to be like yeah. drinking. Definitely. I'm, I'm kind of going through the, the opposite of like um, being on stage, especially for like such long shifts. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I dance so much better after like, two drinks <laughs> a little lubricant yeah well, exactly for me I, I just smoke a little bit of weed mm. for me it doesn't like I know for some people they can't at all but when I'm on stage and I'm just like a little bit stoned I just feel the music I'm like happy and I can smile but I'm very clear headed yeah so like whatever works for you like if it's drinking like coffee or caffeine or something like that or like 
maybe there's some people who can, like, handle their alcohol and they just need, like, one drink and they're still aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I would say getting drunk at work is probably not the best idea, but if you can handle your substances, like, do what works for you, honestly. Yeah, yeah I was thinking about trying, like... Um, microdosing mushrooms or yeah, like something because I that. cannot do weed. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it puts me to sleep every time. Totally. No matter yeah. no matter the strain, no matter how much, like I just it's not for me. I've done the microdosing a few times and honestly, definitely it just puts you in a flow right. and you're like in this groove. And you're like I'm hilarious. Everyone's <laughs> laughing at me. Like, oh, I don't need a. <laughs> I don't need encouragement for being hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that we maybe this is why you dance so well on stage um, liquor gives you a lot more self confidence yeah. exactly yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not being a video maybe I just don't care anymore it's like but, that mouth is like like how you think you dance and then how you actually dance is just a mouse rolling around but self confidence is a hard thing in our industry is, because yeah. our industry is 99% focused on how you look well, that's actually what sells dances, mm-hmm. not so much, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of comparison, there's a lot of self-doubt. Um, how do you navigate self-love and positive body image um, in an industry that is really based on our looks? And do you have any experience with it or any tips for those maybe coming in the industry or people that are struggling with it currently? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, when I was in Toronto, I did a lot of modeling, which is just the most toxic industry because it's not even, like, like, in stripping, it's, like, everybody, like, we're all different, we all have a different vibe, but in modeling, it's, like, if you do not look exactly like this, you are a failure of a person, right? So, I came from a place of being extremely self-conscious, um, and going into it, I definitely had, like, I mean, I was a performer at heart, so, like, I had that kind of, like, goofy side to me, um, but what really helped me was honestly going through therapy and realizing, like, why am I so hard on myself? Because self-confidence comes from the inside, but then there's that, Like, so in Tantra, they teach you that, like, you're already whole, but there are blocks you put in front of yourself that there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that there's, like, things you're putting restrictions on yourself. So it's really about understanding, like, what are you saying to yourself in your head? Because that is what is fueling your energy and your actions. So if I am standing in a room full of people and um, my brain is saying to me, like, oh, my God, you're top and bottom don't match or whatever or your hair doesn't look good or your makeup's not good enough or your shoes are too dirty or like look at her outfit hers is so like those are things that you have control over of how you talk to yourself and so if I'm saying all those things to myself I am absolutely gonna start spiraling and I'm gonna like just want to run away and hide and not want to be there but nobody has control over those thoughts and uh except for yourself so yeah I definitely would recommend like whether it's like talk therapy whether it's somatic therapy um going in and trying to find like what are these unconscious like uh voice tracks that we have in our head where did they come from was it your mom it's probably your mom (laughs) (laughs) or like a sister (laughs) or an aunt or something like that like you're just like a family member that's like super close to you that like said all these weird things as you were growing up that you just like internalized and now they're out of control because we haven't like checked them essentially so once I started doing that the thing that really helped was when this therapist I was telling her about a problem of something completely different and she's like, do you hear the way you talk about yourself? You, you've told, you've like um, said all these things about yourself so negatively in this is one two-minute conversation. I was like, oh, uh, no, I didn't realize that. So she introduced me to the concept of self-compassion, where you're literally like rewriting those scripts and you're actively just saying nice things to yourself, right? Even if like you don't necessarily believe it in the moment. Um, and a lot of people who are like hustlers can be like, well, I need to be hard on myself so that I'm working. It's like, you can still do that. So like, let's say you were going to work out this morning and then you didn't, 
It's not like, oh, honey, it's okay. You don't need to work out. It's like, hey, we could have done this, but we didn't, and that's okay. We'll get back to it tomorrow or something like that. It's just about being gentle, honest, but gentle with yourself, and that allows you to not um, look for vices because when you're constantly critiquing yourself, you're shutting down and you're like, okay, well, how can I get a drink? How can I get a, a, a joint or, or go shopping or have sex with some crazy guy? Like, whatever whatever your vice is, right? <laughs> Tell us some more. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. sex with crazy? <laughs> Me, never. No, no, no. I'm not her. <laughs> yeah. Never and done that? <laughs> I can't. No. Not really. I'm a virgin, guys, actually. <laughs> But those are the things that we're telling ourselves, and that's what's tripping us up. It's yeah. really like our own inner dialogue, and when we can really get a handle on that and acknowledge what we're saying to ourselves and then just start to, like, actually, like, uh, directly rewrite that dialogue in ourselves. So then when you're on the floor, you're not thinking about yourself, you're not comparing yourself to other people, you're just, like, scanning the room, and you're like, okay, who am I going to make money from, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I think about when I'm on the floor is just, like, I know I'm amazing. I know that I am going to bring joy to people's lives and that I'm going to help them um, with whatever they need on that night, whether they need company or relaxation or funny, whatever. Like, I'm going to be that for that person. I mean, that comes from experience, too, of, like, knowing uh, my skill set and things like that. Um, but in the beginning, it's really just, like, that inner dialogue of, like, okay, why am I really being beating up on myself, right? And, yeah, I would say, like, going to therapy or even, like, if you have a really close friend or family member that you trust, like, just starting that conversation with them um, in a, a space you feel very safe in, with a relationship you feel safe in, that can really start to help you, like, unwind these these criticisms that we have of ourselves. Because a lot of us, especially women in this industry, hold ourselves to, like, impossible standards. Mm-hmm. And it's usually because we're looking for a sense of control because we didn't have that in our childhoods or something like that. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, we can, like, look at that and unpack that. Then the negative energy we're putting on ourselves starts to slowly fade away. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that that's, like, a really important thing. Go to therapy. Maybe go to therapy. Go to therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Some self-compassion, perhaps. (laughs) Self-compassion is going to change the world. It's going to save the world, Mm -hmm. especially for women, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) Um, Before we get into our next section, we're going to do three listener questions here. Sure. The first one is, how do you recognize negative vibes in, in others at the club? I feel like I make bad friends. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um... So energy is an important thing, like kind of if you can do practices when you're on your own to like strengthen your intuition so that you feel like you can trust your gut, essentially. I find intuition is like the quieter voice that you can feel and those negative thoughts are just like loud in your head. Um, And then really, first of all, understanding what your values are when you're looking for a friend, right? Are you looking for someone who looks a certain way and makes a certain amount of money or are you looking for someone who's actually going to be there for you and is going to be loyal and you know make you feel safe things like that so like really understanding what you're looking for um and then instead of looking at what they're saying or like who's around them just look at their actions right and starting to maybe observe them a little bit like in a in a in a nice way um but just seeing like oh or listening to how they're talking about themselves as well I think that can be a really good indication of how someone is going to treat a friend Um, if they're constantly drinking and being late for their shows and all this kind of stuff, it's probably like, well, this person probably isn't going to treat me very good because they're not even treating themselves very good. So I would say, like, look at how they're treating themselves, how they're um, reacting to the people around them, 
and then kind of use that as an indicator of like, do I want to actually get close to this person or not? I find that I do that all the time in my life. And like, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't have that many friends because everyone is just really struggling. Honestly, like we all have a really hard time and we're all exhausted at the end of the day. We don't even want to like go and do anything else. So, and also just kind of like not taking it personally too. Like if someone is going to do something, like it's probably has nothing to do with that person just like move on, like take it as an experience. I've gone out with lots of people and I've had really great experiences with them, but then I'm like, I don't know if we're really like vibing. I don't know if this person really makes me feel safe. I don't know if they're actually going to benefit my life and we're going to have a reciprocal um, relationship. Because when I have a friend, I give them everything. Like I will give them the clothes off of my back. Like I will, I love having like really deep friendships. So if I can't do that with that person, I'm like, it's probably not worth it. So like go hang out with them, try to do it in like a... um like a low impact, like no commitment kind of way, like just go grab coffee sometime or like go hang out one night and just see how it is. Like, don't just like, let's go on a trip together right away. Right. Like that's a little bit intense. So yeah. And then just really learning how to like trust your intuition on certain things and knowing what you're looking for in a friend and how you can like visually see that in their actions. Yeah. That's what I would say. (laughs) Next listener question. You recently uploaded a video to your Instagram of some tips to make take care of your body after a shift. Mm. What are some things that you do to take care of your energy after a shift? Ooh, yeah, I like that one. Um, so when I get home, I honestly I'm really lucky because I have Bear and like as soon as you get home, he's like, Oh my god, I love you. So like his energy is Bear's so her dog. Yeah. yeah, Bear's my dog. <laughs> He is the, he's the best, so, like, get a pet, (laughs) number one, Um, and then just kind of find, like, rituals that help you, like, decompress, essentially, so for me, like, I get home, I see Bear, I, like, sit on the couch with him for a minute, then I sit down and I count my money, and I'm just like, damn, like, go me, you know, and that kind of helps you feel, like, rewarded for the work that you did, and then I immediately will go take a shower, and that cleansing, that washing myself up, I actually will wash myself with soap twice I don't know why it's just like a habit that I do it's like one to just kind of get the dirt off and then another one is like energetically like I'm energetically cleansing myself so I always do that I I didn't even think about that but that's that's kind of why I'm doing it um yeah wash my makeup off in the shower whatever do my skincare and then just kind of like when you look at yourself in the mirror you're like okay I'm me again I'm not Mm -hmm. me and Miranda anymore I'm just myself and then whatever I feel like doing that night I'll usually like maybe watch some like tv or something like that just to kind of like settle my energy I usually journal as well um or just like track my habits and like write about my day and things like that and just like creating a space for yourself at your house or in your home or in your bedroom whatever where you really feel like it's a reflection of yourself so the when you step into that room you're like I'm home I'm me I feel safe so like finding that safe space um and just being there and just like breathing and knowing that you're safe and you're held and and uh yeah I would say those are my energetic uh things it's a little bit harder when you're like living at the club you know Mm. to like have that distance and I find that even on those nights where I'm staying at the location I've kind of I'm still in the energy of me and Miranda and I don't leave that until I get back home and so those can be exhausting weeks for sure because you're never really turning it off Um, but in those instances I would go out for a walk I'd go outside and I would just like if I could be in the sun or be near nature when I'm at the five I always walk to the water um like in Crab Park and stuff like that and just seeing the ocean always like grounds me for sure so yeah those would be my things Uh, and the last listener question here what part of her chart placements aspects she feels helps her the most in sex work Ooh, okay. I love this question. I don't even know um, what it means, but... <laughs> so, We're like, people who know 
what astrology is. So my Sagittarius rising, if you know what a Sag rising, you're also Sag rising, by the way, um, we're very, like, just, Sagittarius is, like, this, um, it's ruled by Jupiter, which is the biggest planet, so there's, like, joy and optimism and abundance and just this, like, larger-than-life energy, essentially, and my Jupiter is in my first house, which I know makes no sense to you, but (laughs) that essentially just gives me this, like, I walk into a room and I'm smiling and I'm happy and that's my default essentially um, when I greet people. But then when you get to know me, like I'm just like a sad little Pisces underneath. I'm just like, I'm just emotional. So if we like really get to talk, like I'll just be like more chill and hanging out and stuff like that. But that Pisces energy allows me to be an artist and that's what gives me the ability to like dance and and, um, have costumes and create ideas for shows and things like that. Um, but then my favorite placement, which is the one that really gets me into trouble sometimes, is my Aries Venus. So Venus is the planet of love and relationships, and um, Aries is this, like, young, fresh, fiery energy that's just, like, go, 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 essentially. So, like, having that intensity in my Venus sign... It just makes me like, okay, I'm ready. Like, let's do it. You want to say, let's go. Like, I'm so down, you know? It's very um, get up and go, especially in that realm of, like, love, sex, relationships sort of thing, so. Hence the crazy people, I guess. Yeah! Yeah. Crazy people. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. All right, well, that's a perfect question to end on because you do astrology as well, and we are going to put some time aside for you to read Mine and Riley's charts today. Tell us about who we are (laughs) and and dumb it down a lot. I will for sure. Yeah, I um during COVID that was what I did was astrology readings. So. It was people who were like, I have no idea about anything. And I'm like, I got you. Yeah. Um, we know nothing about nothing. So. Yeah. yeah. Who okay. do you want to start with? I feel like I want to start with Riley because I was looking at your chart just as I was coming here. And I was like, oh, so much juicy. <laughs> I love it. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's like a lot. When you look at a birth chart, like I always use the circle birth charts. Anything on CoStar, I'm like, no. I'm sorry. If a chart is in like a graph, it's just so confusing because I can't see where things are placed. I can't see any of their, um, how they interact. So I'm looking at the circle. You can see all of the um, signs on the outside. And this is essentially a picture of the sky. So then those are all the planets and then they're in different signs. And then those wedges are the houses. And the houses are like areas of life, essentially. So if you have something in the first house, which is representative of the personality, that is going to strongly affect your personality, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, So... The thing, so I was looking around it at, um, kind of from the lens of like being podcasters, right? And like, are there any placements in your charts that would like lean you to be more, more of a podcaster? So Gemini is the energy of the communicator. It's ruled by Mercury, which is also, um, Mercury rules like the mind, um, communication, learning, things like that. And so Gemini is, like that, lot, there are lots of ideas. They're an air sign. They're like a mutable air sign. Mutable being like, it's just like, I like to visualize astrology um, so in like a, like something tangible. Like I use a lot of analogies mm-hmm. essentially. So if you think about a mutable air sign, that's just like gas floating around. It has no, but it can touch everything. It can go into all the small nooks and crannies. So Gemini is a very strong communicator. And your midheaven, which is your career line, is in Gemini. So, like, your career is aligned with being um, a very strong communicator, uh, someone who is 
just wants to like speak and can have a conversation about anything with anybody essentially. So that I thought was really interesting. And then the other thing, your Mercury, by the way, is in Aquarius. Aquarius is a fixed air sign. And the way I visualize that is if you look at the can't look but like the air right now like in this space it looks like nothing but if you were to like zoom in on like the atoms they're like going like crazy Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so that's what I feel of like Aquarius is this like um very genius like they're really in terms uh, like love like technology and they're like forward thinking and they love community so you have a lot of air in your chart which is makes you a very strong communicator essentially so that's the podcast part. But then, um, oh, and your Jupiter is also in Sagittarius. So Jupiter rules Sagittarius. So that gives you that, like, abundant, like, joyful energy. You love, um, Sagittarius is love, like, traveling, learning, um, like, religion, politics, like, just learning about, like, the world and different cultures and things like that. Uh, they do have a tendency for, like, overindulgence as well sometimes, too. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. But, like, um... But the thing that I thought was really interesting, and I'm going to, like, call you out. Just like, no, 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 no. Call me out. Call me out. It's so funny because you're, like, setting up the lights and stuff, and I was like, oh, my gosh, she's such a Capricorn moon. Like, <laughs> this makes so much sense. So you actually have a lot of Earth in your chart as well. So that actually does lend you a lot better to, like, a communicator, but you're not just, like, lost in the sauce. You're not just, like, having a conversation with anybody. They're actually coming down to, like, a grounded place. You can have a schedule. You can have, like... Um, you know, figuring out all the logistics of these certain things. So you have your moon in Capricorn, you have Venus in Capricorn, you have Uranus and Neptune in Capricorn, and they're all in the fifth house. Fifth house is Leo energy, so that's like the creative, the fun, the childlike energy. And so for you, like deep down inside, you need to have things aligned, but in a in the sense of like your creative outlets, essentially. So like you need to have creative outlets, but they can't just be, like, random. They have to have, like, a schedule to them. So, like, I would say this is kind of, like, your creative outlet Mm -hmm. that, like, really feeds your soul. Um, But it's not just random. Like, you guys have a schedule. You have, like, all that kind of stuff around it. And so that's very, like, Capricorn fifth house, essentially. And then your Venus is there, too. So Venus being that love relationships sign, um, that would probably make relationships a little bit tricky in the sense of, like, you have really high expectations of what, of yourself, but also the person in your life too, right? Which there's nothing wrong with that because Capricorns like are ruling the world essentially. Like they're like the CEO mentality of the world. They're all about like money and hustling and bringing in uh, the bag. And so in a partner, you need to have that as well. So you're going to be extremely like, you're not doing that. You're not meeting my level. Like you're not, you're not for me. There's no like forgiving in any of that kind of sense. Um, So that, and then your Venus is actually aligned with your Neptune. Neptune is the planet of, like, spirituality and romance and dreaminess. So there's a part of you that, like, really desires that as well. To be, like, romanced and someone to, like, fly you to Paris for a first date or something like that. There's, like, but for you that might seem a little bit unreasonable as a Capricorn as well, (laughs) right? But it's, like, imagine, like, oh, that could be kind of nice. But just someone who is, like, going to be consistently romantic in that sense. They're never going to take you for granted. They're always going to make you feel appreciated for who you are, especially your work ethic as well. Um, that would be really important to you. And then, and then we'll talk about your son because that's kind of what everybody knows for astrology, um, is in Pisces. Your Saturn is also in Pisces as well. And that means you're going through a Saturn return right now. So this year and the next two years of your life, like 
everything's going to change, essentially. <laughs> yeah. No, I hate change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, my schedule. <laughs> but in the best way possible. Actually, sorry, there's you two... You should have lived with that thing. Yeah, maybe I should Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, so the thing with Saturn return is that it happens when Saturn returns to the same place it is in your birth chart, and Saturn just entered into Pisces, so that's happening for you. And there's two ways it can go. Either you are completely off your life path and your entire life is going to implode and rebuild, <laughs> or or you are on your life path and everything just becomes blissful. Oh, I guess TBD. So, <laughs> so stay tuned to find out. Like, <laughs> exactly. So if you're starting to feel like everything's just kind of working out for me right now, that means you're actually on your life path and you are <laughs> Or maybe not. Um, or maybe things are about to implode, but in the best way possible because then they're going to fall into place exactly where they're meant to be. So it can be a very chaotic and upsetting time. Like I have some friends who are like 30, 31 and they're like, oh my God, yeah, the last three years of my life were insane. Mm. But now I feel so happy and, and aligned. I'm like, Saturn return. I'm about to start mine as well too. Yeah. So we're in the same Great. boat. We'll hold hands on this <laughs> Yeah, definitely. If you ever need a Saturn return, like I'm just have a day. Like I got you. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, just watch out for that. Oh, and then you're also... Um, <laughs> Your life's gonna <laughs> implode, so I just like. Yeah. But it does. Pisces in general makes you very like intuitive to things around you. It gives you like a creative, spiritual uh, edge to your life. So you know you can trust your gut, especially especially with Saturn and Pisces. Saturn is that like the discipline of your life, so you know that you can trust your gut. Essentially, like don't let any outside. Um, perspective sway you like you know what your truth is you know what your what your alignment is and just like focus on that and if there's any kind of like spiritual things that you might have been leaning towards like I would say dive in to those like if tarot or astrology or anything like those but I know for your Capricorn side you're like that stuff doesn't make any sense (laughs) (laughs) so that's fine that's totally fair I would say just more like as much as you can embody your own energy that's the best thing you can do Um, because you're also a Virgo rising and Virgo is also like another earth sign that's like kind of obsessed with perfection and things like that and so Virgo risings are all about um, presenting themselves in like the best possible way like when you see me you will not see a flaw that's kind of a Virgo rising sort of energy but that's fine. Yeah. Like, that's great. I would only, the only caution I would say is, like, don't let that rule your life. Right. Right? Like, make sure that you're not always focusing on that kind of thing. Because, like, once you look good, you look good. You don't have to stress about it. That sort of thing. <laughs> I'm very Pisces, so I'm like, just go with the flow. Like, it's fine, guys. Like, don't worry about it. But it's hard to get into that mentality, right? So, yeah, yeah therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some self-compassion. <laughs> Maybe something to do with that. self would be great. Yeah. Sponsored by. Yeah. <laughs> Better help sponsor yeah. Yeah. yeah, better help sponsor us. Right? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I've seen that they do sponsor a lot of people. Okay, so that would be your chart. You also have your Mars and Leo, so that kind of gives you, like, a, a sense of pride in whatever work you do, essentially. So I would say, like, you're a very... Your work ethic is, like, unmatched, essentially. So that is, like, your... That's the best part of yourself. Debatable. Well, you're a worker. Yeah. I but, agree with everything she said. Yeah, and you're going to be hard on yourself. You're not actually going to... Um, believe those things about yourself, right? But they're true. They're definitely true. So I'm like rude. Ah! Am I amazing? You're so incredible. Oh my god! Yes, you I are. I don't know it. You are. Just trust in your abilities because they're oh, there. Oh, they're oh, definitely there. Like, you're so cute. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah, whenever uh, people find out they're Capricorn Moon, it's just like, or when I find out that they're Capricorn um, Moon, I'm like. 
oh man, that's gotta suck. Like your life, like your internal dialogue has gotta be like so insanely harsh. Like, are you okay? Like, honestly. No, don't, don't, don't open those gates. I have to take her back up and do that. Okay, comes in here, tornado yeah. and leaves. Anyway, watch out for that. Bye, bitches. Yeah, so uh, moving on. Yeah, um, Jack is done. Yeah. So, okay, okay. Um, looking at your chart, so I want to start with the podcasting thing. So, the thing that really stood out to me is that your Mars, the planet of action, how you, like, conduct yourself in the world, is in Gemini, so that sign of communication, and it's in the sixth house. Sixth house is ruled by Virgo. It's the daily work and routines and the body. Um, so, for you, like, having routines around, like, communication and putting the work in, like, that just comes second nature to you, essentially. So, that the kind of makes sense. with this. my OCD, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's not OCD, it's astrology. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Pills for that, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and just, like, taking care of your body, like, you have routines around yourself. You're very disciplined with those routines. Um, Virgo's downside is, like, to the air of perfection, essentially, where they're like, oh, my God, I didn't do my skincare routine. I'm a failure, right? Like, those kind of things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, So that's very, that's, I would say, why you're, like, a very strong, like, podcaster. Your midheaven, your career line is also in an air sign, um, but it's in Libra, and so Libra is a little bit more of, like, the relationships. They want everything to be okay, easygoing. They're very much about, like, beauty and artistry and just, like, like if, if you see a Libra rising, they, like, are always looking amazing. Like, they're on point, they're styled, like, stuff like that. So, yeah, but definitely, like, a very strong communicator for sure. Um, you also have your Venus in Aries as well. So we share that. We actually share a lot of placements, like, Sun and well, Sun and Pisces and Mercury and Aries, or sorry, Venus and Aries. Um, so that gives you that like wild kind of sexual energy. Like if you see someone that you like, you're gonna go talk to them. Like you're not afraid to. You're not just gonna sit back and wait for someone to ask you out. Like you're you're gonna make the first move, and you have no problem with that. Like if you feel like that's the right energy or move for you. Um, and then you also have your Sun and Mercury in Pisces. And so that gives you just kind of this, like, otherworldly perspective on life. Like, for me, Pisces, I would say they see everything. Like, nothing gets by them, right? They're, they can be very aware of everything that's around them, and that then extends to your mind as well. So you're never going to, um, like, wonder what someone's thinking. You know what they're thinking. You know what I mean? Like, you're very in tune with that. And there's also kind of that air of, like, wanting to have a little bit of, like, a poetic kind of energy to, like, the way you speak, like, you're very eloquent, things like that, um, that would kind of make me think of, like, a, an affinity towards, like, poetry or music or something like that, uh, those things could be very soothing for you as a Pisces, um, and then you are Sagittarius rising as well, so, like, you do come off with that, like, energy, I mean, I know some people have said that you're a little bit intimidating, I would say, <laughs> has been said, <laughs> I would say that is because your Sag is rising is uh, 26 degrees. So your first house is mostly Capricorn. So that, and I've had that too, actually. A lot of people, when I'm not actually talking to them, I have this very, like, Capricorn energy about me where people are like, oh, she seems really intimidating. But then as soon as you start talking to them, they're like, oh, she's actually really nice. Like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where that disconnect had kind of come from. Um, and then your moon is also in Sagittarius as well. So that means you are emotionally fulfilled by, like, 
new information, traveling, like new experiences are really, uh, can be very powerful for you. Um, Sagittarius is like, they love learning and teaching as well. Like they learn as much as they possibly can about a subject. And then they love telling everybody about that subject essentially. So that like really helps you feel emotionally connected and, uh, and it's in your 11th house, which is the house of friendship. So for you, like having your friends is everything to you. Like you really need to have that group of friends and not a huge group, but a group that you like can go really deep with and you feel like comfortable and safe to say whatever's on your mind. Like that is, that's your emotional core essentially. Um, <laughs> I was like, look at her, I was like, floating yeah, you already went through your Saturn return, actually. Like, uh, this is it. <laughs> yeah, this is your life now. You're yes! now you're good. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, they happen every thirty years. So when you're like, oh, oh 50 something, it's gonna happen Kill again. Me. But for right now, like things should be if everything, like you know, went according to plan in the uh, in the stars. Um, everything should be going pretty okay for you right now. <laughs> when did it happen? Like, when was the... Uh, so, Saturn went through... So, your Saturn is an Aquarius. Um, that was the last... Because mm, you're 91... Oh, sh- 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 sorry, sorry, sorry! Oh my god, cut that out. <laughs> never mind, never mind. Um, sorry, just trying to think of the... So, Saturn just moved into Pisces, so it was like a month, and then the last like three or four years or so. Something like that. If anybody knows astrology, they're... That, is gonna give away your age, by the way. Just yeah, that's okay. But yeah. not a lot of people know when the Saturn is. It's fine. It's fine. Um, okay, wait. Tell me about how of a lover I am. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you are like wild for sure. Like you're definitely like there's no holding back. Like you will love someone. Like fun wild or crazy. Both. Both. <laughs> um, and it's also in the third house. So like I feel like you're verbally like you verbally love to love someone. Like words of affirmation are really important for you. Like telling someone how you feel is very important for you. Um, just like being very honest as well like Aries is this energy of like they're so Aries is the first sign of the zodiac so there's like this naivety to them where they don't even think they just do and they just feel it in their body and they just do it and they go for it so like when you see something that you want you go for it and there's nothing that will get in your way you're like this like uh, like a forest fire burning, but like with a vengeance in a way. Um, <laughs> yeah, my ex is gonna test to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, it's really hard to cross them. Like, don't get them upset because then they have all this energy behind them, and they feel very strongly about the things that they feel about. Like, their values are very important to them. So if you like bring up something that doesn't align with that, it's like, don't even bother because it's not gonna happen. Like, they're they're on their path. Um, and their path can change, That's but that comes from them, not from anybody else, essentially. So, yeah, and your Jupiter is in Leo. So you guys both have fire Jupiter, so that kind of gives you this, like, let's just have fun, let's just be, a, like, have a good time, like, let's just relax. Um, there's a sense of pride that comes to that for you, because Leo is very prideful. Um, so it's just, like, let's just have a good time. Let's just, like, enjoy ourselves, but in, like, the loudest way possible, I would say. Um, Makes an entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Loud. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, and also because uh, the third house is ruled by Gemini, 
Um, so having your Venus in the third house also gives you like a love of communication and essentially. So like you feel like, um, like you want to, like, this is a, a, such a joy for you. I'm sure mm-hmm. like to do this. So yeah, that would, that makes sense to me. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I'm crazy. <laughs> oh, we're all crazy, man. We're this all crazy. This is my life now. <laughs> I would say all Pisces are very crazy because it's the last sign of the Zodiac. So it has a little bit of every single sign in it. And so like no one can like get on like. We we are like perfect bullshit detectors. Essentially, it's like no one is gonna. It's a blessing and a curse. It yeah. is exactly. It's like I wish I could just be blissfully unaware oh, for like a minute. Ignorance, really. But uh, no, that's not gonna happen. And then she's also Pisces, right? Yeah, that's like the one that everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. So your son is in Pisces, um, and that just like I said, that kind of gives you this like otherworldly sense of like. Uh, knowing. So it might not be directly like, because Pisces, the typical things is like the relating to music, poetry, spirituality, um, creativity, artistic, things like that. But that comes out in many different ways. And your Pisces is in the second house. So for you, that's like you found ways to make that really grounded. And um, second house is like values, goals, desires, finances, things like that. Um <clears throat> So for you, it has to be practical. Like, it can't just be this, like, floating around, like, I'm a, like, I'm a wiz- wizard just hanging out. Like, you're like, no, like, let's bring it down to earth. Like, yeah. let's do, let's use these things in ways that are actually going to ground me. Like, let's listen to music that is going to help me relax. It has a purpose. Yeah. Everything has a purpose to yeah. it, essentially. So, yeah. So I'm very anal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You have a lot of Capricorn in your chart as well. So um, your north node is in Capricorn, and then your... Uh, Neptune and Uranus as well. North Node being like the energy you're meant to embody as you evolve in this lifetime. Um, so you're really meant to become like the CEO of your own life, essentially. And because Capricorn's your first house, you're kind of just like the more you can embody your most authentic personal self, the better off you are in your life. So just don't let anything like outside sway you, I would say. For both of you, because Pisces can be very easily swayed by outside influences. Um, so if you can find a practice where you're able to like kind of connect into yourself and your own desires, I would say that would be really helpful for sure. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Of course. Yeah. Um, and if anybody wants an astrology reading, just hit me up on Instagram because mm-hmm. this is my favorite thing to do. Whenever my friends are going through a crisis, they're like, what does my chart say? I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> your life's imploding. Your yeah. life's imploding. <laughs> so watch out for that. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Miranda, before we let you go, we have our three rapid-fire questions we ask everyone. Yes. Your first one, what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't done yet but want to try? Ooh, um, <laughs> I would say, like, an orgy. I just want to have, like, a bunch of people hanging out having sex. I think that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> Send me an invite. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, one thing you've tried sexually that you probably wouldn't do again? <laughs> uh... Anal? <laughs> it's just not for me. Like, I'm just not a big fan. It's a very common answer. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it. I was really drunk. I was like, mm, okay, that would probably be the thing. But, like, I'm open to If it was the right person. Yeah. <laughs> the right sized peen. Yeah. small. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. Awesome. And the last one here. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Oh, I love this question. I would say, um, find... Whatever, whatever brings you joy in your life and expand on that because that's how we're going to heal the world is by finding our pleasure and focusing on that so that we're not so fucking crazy and mad all the time. That would be my answer. Love it, love <laughs> it. Awesome. Miranda, where can people find you? 
You can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm on my third account now, so it's like I dot am dot Mia Miranda. Um, you can find me on OnlyFans, uh, OnlyFans.com slash I am Mia Miranda. Um, you can DM me there. I'm also on Twitter at Premium OF Babe. And I think that's it. Yeah, just three. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at 50 plus a tip pod or email us at 50 plus a tip at gmail.com. Slide to the DMs with questions, comments. We love getting them. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And thank you so much for joining us, Miranda. Yay. Such a treat. Now we get to um, judge each other. <laughs> <laughs> Look for Riley's you life. <laughs> now we're gonna, next episode is going to be unpacking Riley's life. Sorry. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have a wonderful week and happy whoring. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Fiji Plus a Tip is brought to you by X9. X9 is a local Vancouver swimmer and exotic wear company that was started out of love for creativity, art, and experimentation. Founder Emily and her long-term friend Hale opened X9 showroom and design studio in 2018, located in the heart of East Vancouver. Emily and Hale continue to grow X9 with their team and with the original spirit of the brand in mind to create fun and unique pieces for sex workers, dancers, performers, and the queer community to express their confidence and sexuality. Find them on Instagram at X9Bikini. Our other incredible sponsor is Levian Lashes. Shout out to our fabulous sponsor at Levian Lash for bringing our lashes to life. Whatever your poison, simple classics, wispy, dramatic, colored, or even bottom lashes, Liz is truly a master at them all. You can find her on Instagram at Levian Lash. That's L-A-V-I-E-E-N-L-A-S-H. And let her know 50 plus a tip sent you and get $20 off your first visit.